All right. Let's have an active uh, audience participation. Uh, we actually will leave time, hopefully at the end, for some questions. Um, how's reInvent going so far for you? Great. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, I've uh, been doing this for five years, and this one is uh, this is definitely different from the last uh, last few. You heard Andy this morning. You know, the, for our first reInvent, I remember that one. That was we we wondered if if we were going to actually um, have all four thousand people come. So this is this is a big difference. I'm Steve Jones. Um, I manage a, a few teams. One of them is a team that focuses specifically on SAP, both the relationship with SAP, so working with uh, them on co-engineering projects, um, certification efforts, as well as directly with our service teams as we look to optimize our platform for critical workloads like SAP. And I'm joined today by Rudy. Rudy, you want to give a quick background on yourself? Hello, everyone. Rudy Leibrandt. Um, I'm in the SAP HANA Global Product Management Team. I'm based here on uh, in the West Coast in the Palo Alto office, so yep, happy to spend some time with you today. Um, should we do a check? The, do we show yeah. hands? Do we see how many SAP customers we have in the room today? Let's, wow, okay. How many SAP partners? Good mix. Any SAP BW users? Okay, so. I how many uh, customers are already running SAP on AWS? All right, quite a few. Okay. Excellent. Good. So All we right. can optimize that, right? We, so. can, we can absolutely <laughs> optimize that. So the first few slides here I'll, I'll get through really quickly. And you heard this from Andy this morning. Uh, even as it relates to SAP workloads, cloud is becoming the new normal. Uh, my team is engaged in conversation after conversation with SAP customers. We're just looking for guidance on how to best optimize this journey. And we'll talk about what that looks like today. Um, in the beginning, uh, it used to be about cost, but now it's more around how do I change the way I've actually thought about deploying and running and op operating my SAP environments and, and look at it in a, in a different way. Um, looking to increase, obviously, the uh, adoption of new potentially SAP solutions uh, or, again, just optimizing processes that in inherently have um, been, been sometimes long, long processes internally. Um, so obviously with the AWS platform, some of the things that we bring to bear, especially around SAP workloads, um, you, you allow us to do the undifferentiated heavy lifting around infrastructure, well, so you can focus on on your core mission, right? So the things that really set you apart as businesses, um, the things that you excel at, uh, and, and really focus on innovation instead of, again, things that maybe are, are, are burdensome from an infrastructure perspective. So our platform uh, comprises a number of several key parts. I'm not going to go into uh, everything today, um, but it's a mature offering, right? And you heard Andy today explain how, you know, the, the number of services is growing at a very fast clip, as well as the, the depth within these services, right? And this is, this is through all types of areas around IoT, uh, compute in general, uh, storage, and, and things of that nature. Um, and many of these services... Uh, are, are usable with SAP workloads, and we'll talk about some of those today. Um, what this session really is specifically going to cover, and we're going to try to do this, we'll see how well, how well we do with this, is uh, some of the core capabilities and features of both the SAP uh, software solutions as well as the AWS platform and how we're working together uh, specifically around SAP HANA, and we're going we're gonna to go pretty deep on the X1 platform as well. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll take a few minutes here and just uh, just introduce SAP for a second. So, um, forty-year-old business, been around for a while. Twenty-four different industries. We operate globally, um, and the 
the, so the sort of tagline there that uh, at least 75 or a large percentage of the world's global uh, transactional traffic run, runs on an SAP system, right? So fundamentally, the kinds of applications and systems that run on an SAP environment, we're typically talking about customers that are trying to solve really complex problems, have really complex supply chain processes, have um, a need and a desire to integrate multiple business processes, multiple business organizations. So generally, some of the tough, toughest organizational uh, problems on the planet, right? That's typically what we focus in, and those are the kinds of applications we design and build. So over the... Um, so at SAP, we've um, had to modernize ourselves from a technology perspective, um, and that started with us introducing a number of years back the SAP HANA platform. So from a, an applications perspective, um, SAP HANA is the, is the core or the foundation of our, of our new SAP application stack. So over time, uh, and I've got a slide a bit later that kind of just sketches a bit of a roadmap, the intent and the design, the design is to have every single process, every single SAP application um, running on HANA, right? So, and uh, there's a few ways that we've been doing this, and I'll take you through that today. So, fundamentally, the HANA platform is, a, is an in-memory data management and application platform. Um, it, has, um, it has many and multiple use cases. Um, and the ones that we're going to discuss today will briefly touch a bit about the typical SAP workloads. So running your S4 or your ERP or your financial applications on the, on the, on the technology. But some of the ones that I think are really interesting and those are the ones that customers engage us in right now are things like the more analytical kinds of environments. So discovering, um, customer insights or so operational, operational analytics, big data. That's what we see. Um, how we see the, the use of the platform evol evolving over time. And it was interesting, when we introduced HANA initially, we didn't have support for the SAP applications. Quite often, when we describe HANA uh, to the market or to press or to analysts, the thought process is that it was built and designed for SAP applications. It was three years before we had the first SAP application running on the HANA technology. So the first use cases were generally analytical analytical in design. So they, they, they focused on solving big data issues, predictive analytics, um, and those kinds of offerings. So that's, so what you see on the slide here is generally the, the space that we design, we build, and we optimize for. Um, uh, a few weeks ago at our, our conference, our, our technical conference, which is not the size of this one, uh, we introduced uh, a new release of the HANA platform, uh, HANA 2.0. Um, and uh, it has a few interesting features, but I, I'm going to spend a few minutes and just talk about the one that I think is really important. What we've done is um, HANA is a new technology. It is We drive it as an innovation-style technology. And what we our release cycles for the technology are fairly frequent, right? So we release a new service pack of the HANA technology every six or so months. Um, and with the introduction of version 12, we decided to change that model a bit and keep our service pack 12 version in market for three years and have the new code, code release continue on these innovation packs. So that allows us to um, sort of introduce a lot of new innovation, but keeping the product stable for customers that need a certain amount of core functionality built to the product, right? So that kind of gives you two cents. That helps us do a kind of a two-speed model where we have uh, the more critical applications running on a stable platform and some of the more analytical workloads, some of the more exploratory workloads, and maybe even homegrown solutions running on the more innovations on the innovation platform. So 
Um, I, I wanted to touch on a few things here and just to talk you a bit through the, the Hana 2 release. And I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to spend ages on this. I'm going to just uh, touch on those little, those pillars I have here um, and just give you a sense of, uh, of some of the investments that we made here. So I'll start at the bottom. I just wanted to get some, some, some slide notes up on, on my thing. I don't want to miss anything here. So I'll start at the bottom there and working on the, from the in-memory, from the database management side up. So um, in the latest version of HANA, we've done a few things on the data management or the database side. Um, fundamentally, it's about making HANA easier to operate. So we've introduced new tooling to manage hundreds of HANA systems that you might have deployed either on-prem or in the cloud, right? So the, the, there's a new cockpit functionality, new administration tooling, and new capabilities to leverage there. Um, We've um, enhanced uh, our HA model. Um, in previous versions of HANA, we've gone for an active-passive kind of a model. What we've introduced now is a, mo a model we call active-active read-enabled, and that's something that uh, we plan to work on together over the, over the next few months. And what active-active read-enabled allows you to do is it takes your standby environment that you've set up and it uses it for uh, offloading some workload. So you can run your reporting workload off a, se off a separate HANA system. So it uses our HANA system replication technologies to do that. Um, on the data management side, just moving one level up, You'll see, in, you'll see some new tools. Um, anyone familiar with a tool called Power Designer? So Power Designer is one of the technologies that SAP acquired uh, through Sybase. Um, it's, it's a design and modeling environment, so it allows you to model um, the architecture of your organization all the way down to data structures, schemas, business processes, um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a visual tool set built for the Windows platform. In HANA 2, we deliver this technology, we, we deliver the Enterprise Architect Designer, a new tool, um, web-based design environment with the HANA platform. So what that will allow you to do is, um, is look at the schemas and the data structures in your, in your SAP systems or in your HANA systems. It will allow you to reverse engineer, let's say, an Oracle database schema and forward engineer that, engineer that into HANA so that you can pull um, and model data sources from all sorts of structures. It does a bit of requirements analysis and linkage and lineage assessment. So for scenarios where you're trying to design and build a new data warehousing environment or you, you're introducing some new systems, it helps you with doing that. On the more analytical side of the equation, we've made some enhancements on a few areas. Uh, on the graph side is our graph engine now has more advanced visualization capabilities. We've dramatically introduced the, or improved the capabilities in our text search and text analytics engines. Um, we've introduced eight new algorithms for machine learning. So there's new machine learning libraries that we've put into the PAL environment. Um, and then there's uh, some, some, uh, some enhancements to our streaming analytics environment. So one of the things we can do with our streaming engine, the streaming engine built into HANA now, we can take a real-time stream of information and use a predictive, um, a predictive and machine learning algorithms to train predictive models. So we can use a real-time stream of data to change the predictive models on the fly. So there's a, a range of capabilities built into, into that environment. And then finally, HANA is also an application, uh, is an application platform. So we have this, um, this, uh, this, uh, this uh, 
um, feature set we call the extended application or extended services for applications or, or called XSA. This technology is built on the Cloud Foundry stack. So if um, there are any Cloud Foundry kinds of users, the way that that technology works, it um, allows you to use build packs to implement certain development languages. So we supported Java and the Node.js language. Now we've um, introduced capability for you to bring your own language. So if you wanted to build with anything, um, C++, JavaScript, Ruby, Python, those kinds of languages are supported now. What makes it interesting is we have a, our own web IDE development environment for HANA now. So there's a development tool that you can use to develop native HANA-based applications. And this would then sort of cooperate with, with those different kinds of environments. And then finally, um, at the same time of our launch, we launched a, a new delivery model for developers wanting to get used to HANA, uh, a product called HANA Express Edition. And what Express Edition allows you to do is to use up to 32 gigs of HANA um, memory for free for productive and development use cases, right? And the, uh, the way that we deliver that model is through AWS. So we have a model where you can click a few buttons, and I'll show you that in a little demo later on today. Um, you can click a few buttons and have a provisioned HANA environment up and running within a few minutes, or you can download it, right, and run it on a run it on a um, on a normal commodity architecture. So with Express, we've um, gone away from the appliance model. You can install it. You can do you can install it natively in any of the of the um, of the Amazon instances. So it makes it easy for you to try out and mess around with HANA. Now the free usage is productive and non-productive use. So if you wanted to build an application, test out the new predictive stuff, or any of the things that I've mentioned there, that's a good way for you to start to get used to the technology. So going slightly deeper, and this is kind of just to give you a sense, I won't spend too much time on this, and you can kind of see what I, what I was uh, referring to a bit earlier. When we introduced HANA, it took us um, at least two years before we certified the first SAP ERP-style application on the technology. So what we've, done, uh, what we've done is we had the HANA environment. We initially um, changed the BW code so it could leverage HANA. Then we certified our traditional ECC stack for HANA, so we could take a normal SAP system um, after a certain NetWeaver release, I think it's 7.5 7, or 7.4, we released um, HANA support for the business suite. And uh, now we're moving quickly forwards toward this new thing called S4 HANA, right? And S4 is the next generation of SAP applications. It has a, a simplified data model. It has improved uh, an improved capability to be deployed in the cloud. Um, and it's essentially built on a set of new technologies that get rid of all of the things, that the technology debt that we've been collecting over the last few years. So ugly GUIs, all the stuff that you guys know about SAP systems. With BW, and just to give you this uh, kind of a similar track here, and we'll discuss, uh, we'll discuss BW for HANA a bit more today. The BW technology, um, initially what we did is we changed the BW engine to additionally support the HANA environment. So you could run Oracle, SQL Server, DB2, and HANA, right? And the HANA environment would be optimized that we could get rid of certain layers. So being an in-memory column store, we could get rid of um, some things that traditional row-based databases needed to perform well. So um, what, we've, what we've gone ahead and done for the BW4 HANA environment, similar to our S4 strategy, we've designed and built the BW technology for explicitly for the HANA technology so that it takes advantage of all the things that we've built within the environment. So in that technology, we'll not see support for other databases. It will solely run on the, on the HANA technology. Excellent. 
So that gets us to, well, you seeing S, that's SAP and that's a bit of AWS. Um, so we've been working with, uh, with AWS since 2008 as a customer. I think like, I guess like most people would start, right? So we uh, are an, an AWS customer. Um, we have a bunch of internal services uh, that leverage AWS platform stuff. We also build new products based on AWS. So we um, introduced, at, at uh, TechEd, we introduced a few new cloud services based on HANA that run on AWS infrastructure. So there's a, a few places for us to do this. And a few years ago, 2011, right? 2011, yeah. We did, uh, we, we signed up as, as technology partners. And from that point, the focus now is then co-innovation, joint support, joint go-to-market, and some of the things that we can discuss. Is yeah, back, back in 2011, it was really around, what do, what do we need? And we approached SAP, and I'll be honest, uh, I don't think they really knew what to do with this, right? And, and we were kind of learning what it really meant to, to be able to support a critical enterprise application, right? So there were no certification processes for cloud vendors back then. And so we, working together, we kind of um, worked, worked through what that, what that looked like, right? And there were um, traditional certification processes for, for hardware vendors that were more about, hey, ship us a box. And we'll run some tests, and we'll make sure it works just great. It's a little bit hard to ship the AWS platform and have it tested, right? And so uh, there was a lot of testing. And we learned a lot of things. Uh, I think back then, um, one of our, our instance types that, um, that we were looking at first, originally I think only had like 60 gig of RAM. So we had a long ways to go, um, and you know it's been, it's been a wild ride for sure. But uh, kind of where, we, where we've come to, and... And I like to, to help people understand that there's really no compression algorithm for this experience process that we've gone through, right? We're talking hyperscale platform that, that supports a, a critical system like SAP, and we've learned a lot along the way. And just recently, we announced together a joint announcement uh, around B, BW4HANA, right, which, which is uh, the next generation data warehouse for, for, from SAP, but it's, it's designed with, with the cloud in mind, right? Yeah, and that's important, right, is we... Um those kinds of systems, those analytical systems, and those uh, the systems of differentiation or engagement—I don't know what we want to, what Gartner calls them this week. The idea with those systems is that you can externalize them, and you don't have to run them on premise. Right? They are often easier to deploy in a cloud-based environment. So, we, from a design point, we we thought that these systems would fundamentally mostly run in the cloud. So it was a kind of an easy choice to say, well, let's jointly launch and go to market with a solution as well. And so we're seeing tremendous uptake from, from customers uh, from a lot of different uh, vertical sectors, uh, different geographies, uh, interested in, in operating their SAP solutions, including some of the latest. And we'll talk about one specific customer on BW for HANA here in just a moment. Um, and there have been other presentations. I think last year we had Brooks Brothers on stage talking about their experience about implementing and and using SAP HANA on AWS. I think the, I mean, just one point there is we, the list of customers is growing. More and more people are doing it. Um, it's mature. Um, when I think if we stood, stood here three years ago, a lot of the things we would have said would be exploratory, but we have a reasonable amount of customers, and you guys could see the hands in the air as well. There was a reasonable amount of you guys that are running some of your workloads on AWS. So it's matured nicely. We kind of understand the areas that we need to jointly invest in, and, and that's how we want to drive things going forward. What's most important to us is the, is the feedback from customers, right? And, and a lot of what you tell us is actually going back into our platform, and we'll talk a little bit more about the X1 system here in just a moment. Um, but I wanted to relate, so uh, I was actually very pleased with um, the amount of people who, who uh, raised their hands 
Um, we, we hosted yesterday the second annual um, uh, kind of customer roundtable for SAP. And I'm, I, I want to get a, a show of hands here. How many would be interested in participating in uh, kind of a community of sorts as it relates to SAP on AWS? Yeah? Okay, excellent. So I think we scanned you. Um, we'll actually be putting together kind of a more formal program around that, and uh, we'll get you, you folks hooked into that. Um, from a solutions perspective, there's uh, every solution that SAP provides today is supported on the AWS platform. Um, from a technical perspective, as long as it's based on NetWeaver 7.0 or higher, and for those that speak NetWeaver, know that that's quite quite an older older version. Um, there are some specific reasons for that. We actually have done some development work around uh, monitoring and uh, performance um, that actually expose some of this information from the AWS platform directly into the SAP application layer for troubleshooting purposes, and that really started with NetWeaver 7.0. So, and I'll show you a little bit more about that here in a moment. So yeah, to, I mean, add, yeah, adding a piece to that is even some of the technologies that we acquired, so the Sybase uh, database technology set didn't have any AWS support before the SAP acquisition. So, um, so that relationship pulled that product and that engineering team into the fold as well. Um, not only for their traditional use cases, when that company was acquired, the use cases were 100% non-SAP, right? The Sybase technology wasn't certified to support SAP systems, so we did the certification, and one of the first partners that we looked at was AWS on that certification front, and that actually had an impact back on the traditional base as well. So, again, just a, another partner point. So let's get into it just a bit deeper. I'm sure most folks here are available with the concept of uh, regions and availability zones, so I won't spend a lot of time on that. Uh, but today we do have 14 regions and 38 different availability zones with uh, four more planned for uh, next year and a, a number of others coming as well. Um, this is really hyperscale platforms for SAP workloads. We're changing the way uh, you can actually look at how you architect and design highly available solutions around SAP. I'll show you this in just a moment. Um, the other thing that the customers find advantageous is the consistency and the repeatability with which they're actually able to operate and deploy these workloads as well. Um, I'll give you an example. So Seco was, was, was a customer of ours, um, a, public, a public case study. They, uh, they migrated out of a, a hosted facility uh, to, it was a pretty rapid project, uh, a fairly large project, and they, they first actually migrated out of this hosted facility into our, our region in Ireland uh, for proximity reasons. And then based on feedback from their customers, uh, their, their customer base was, was more in the APAC region. So they actually took, created images of these systems and migrated them to the, uh, the region of Singapore without having to do a whole lot of heavy lifting, right, because of the, the tooling that we provide and the ability to create images and whatnot. So the very fact that we actually create regions the same way every time uh, to the same standards was a benefit for them. But let's dive down a little bit, a little bit further. So uh, you probably saw some announcements today. We announced some, some newer instance types. We're starting to release instance types based on the, on the Broadwell technology, but we have a number of instance types that are certified for SLP and SAP, and we'll get to those here in just a moment. The X1 platform, which we'll, we'll dive into here, it was our first uh, Intel E7-based design. It's, it's a purpose-built uh, instance type. It's not uh, something that we've, we've bought off the shelf and, and rolled into our data centers. This is something that we've engineered uh, and, and again, engineered for hyperscale from a capacity perspective. Um, today, uh, again, as I mentioned, there are a lot of instance types uh, that, that you can run SAP solutions on. And Rudy, you want to talk a little bit about 
you know, what, is, what does it mean to, to certify a, a, a physical piece of hardware, and why, why would this be important? Yeah, it is. I mean, so I think traditionally you guys understand this is that um, those, those SAPS ratings are kind of a unit of measure we use that kind of give us an indication of the performance of an SAP system. So that number helps customers choose the kind of infrastructure they need to support a certain SAP system, right? And um, fundamentally, what we didn't have to go and invent a new system when we did the certification with, uh, with AWS. We put the same requirements and the same standards in front of them and made sure that we can run similar workloads that you would expect um, on this technology. So the same, the same tools like QuickSize and those kinds of things could apply. Um, and then on the right-hand side, there you could see that we, we did some specific work around HANA as well, right? So which HANA instances support which workloads, that was kind of important for us to do as well. So very important because I think the moment that we go to a place where we invent new models to, uh, to benchmark performance on a cloud environment, we're going down a, a fairly slippery slope. So the idea was that you know exactly what you get into when you're doing this move and that, uh, the, that your workload expectation is managed accordingly. Right, and we'll, we'll get to some of the, the subtle nuances around sizing. So it's, it's actually okay to get sizing just to maybe a bit wrong or look at it a bit differently as it relates to, uh, to designing SAP or deploying SAP solutions on AWS. Yeah, that's a good point. And especially, again, with things like BW, that those things are, are quite interesting to size, right? Because the moment that your user base sees what you can deliver, quite often they want more data. And if you've got physical infrastructure wrong, it stays wrong, right? As you have to pull it out of your data center, put something else in there. In the case of uh, where we have on-demand infrastructure as a service, the model is slightly different. It's always good to get it close, but you don't have to be as critical about it. And it's, uh, it's quite easy to move, right? Yeah, anecdotally, I can tell you about a customer we, uh, we were engaged with that uh, had, had told us when they had implemented HANA, it was about two years ago, the initial sizing came back with around five terabytes, right? So they were encouraged to buy six, right? Um, they said, no way, we're not going to do that. So they actually bought a two terabyte appliance. Mm -hmm. Three years later, they're up to one, right? So they're sitting on, and, and they were smart in that, uh, you know, they were, they, they took a, a cautious, I guess, approach at that. But not a lot of customers feel like they can do that. Well, there's another thing in there, right? Because I think the, the, the thing that I always found interesting when um, I was on the consulting side of the business is that the sizing exercise could delay your project significantly, right? As if you weren't able to size your workload, you're not able to start. You're going to have a conversation about the, the which organization start, which system starts earlier. So, I mean, it, cr it creates a lot of anxiety if you can't size initially, right? And I think the way that we, do, we could do this here is a, is a major benefit. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about X1 instances. I mentioned they're based on a, a quad socket Intel E7 design uh, with the 8800 8, series there. Uh, so at the top end, the X1 32 extra large, you get uh, 64 cores, 128 vCPUs, up to two terabytes of RAM. Uh, we've done some interesting things here that allow us to actually offer to a single instance uh, up to 20 gigabits of network bandwidth, again, to a single instance, and additionally, another 10 gigabits per second for the storage layer. Um, so you've got separate communication paths and channels for both storage and network connectivity, and every node gets that. So when you start talking about especially large scale-out designs, uh, you're not necessarily having to share this single, uh, single path that might, might choke your, your performance. And yes. they're certified by SAP to run productive instances. Uh, we made some announcements around, again, some additional certifications uh, during the BW for Honda launch. I don't know, Rudy, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, this slide often gets SAP into trouble, right? Because the first question people ask is, where's the OLTP scale out? So let's try and step through this piece by piece. So um, 
So let's do that first. The, what you can see on the left hand of the, of the scale here is the kind of upper limits and bounds of what we can see in a scale-up configuration. Now, when people look at that, they often ask a question, a two-terabyte system is kind of small, except harness and in-memory column store. It compresses data to 10x, right, depending on the kinds of information you have. So that's a fairly large system already, right, as we have some, um, some stuff on our website that will give you an, uh, some kind of an indication on that. Um, when we get to OLAP kind of workloads, we can scale out here, as, as you can see, up to 14, 14 scale, 14, uh, 14 terabyte mm -hmm. environment. Um, and we're working on more, right? So we, work, we have some things, with some things in the pipe and some things in the test where we're te testing much larger systems than those. And I can tell you that we are working with about 50 customers globally on OLTP scale-out. So there are a number of projects um, that will help us to kind of, kind of use the, the infrastructure, and especially cloud-based infrastructure, really efficiently, right? As we know we need to scale and we know we need to be more elastic when it comes to these kinds of environments. Um, yeah, and then the, the um, you know, from a roadmap perspective, we see some that I expect the blocks on the outer ends to go far wider in the next year or so. Yeah, for, for instance, so you saw the announcement about the R4 instance today. That's something we're actively working on on the, on the, the lower end of the spectrum to, again, allow a little more granularity uh, from a memory sizing perspective. So within the R4 family, you'll have a half a terabyte instance as well as 256 gig as well, right? And that's something we've heard from customers They've wanted kind of a, something in the half a terabyte range. And you can expect, obviously, that we're working on some additional things that will expand the, the capabilities um, on both, both spectrums. Uh, and again, a, again, a 14 terabyte in-memory column store, we're talking about a significant amount of compute and a significant amount of data here, right? This, it's a, that would be some of the largest systems on the planet that would need that kind of requirement. So this is typically, so we're going to go a bit deeper now and we're going to show you some of the product stuff. We have, um, we have a, a demo that we can show you in a few seconds. But this is kind of what our customers are discussing with us, right? So typically an SAP customer has um, a range of older kind of ECC or ERP environments. Um, it's typically deployed on-premise. Um, there's all sorts of risk in moving that to a new environment. So the question is, how do we get them to the right side, right-hand side of this uh, equation here, where we have real-time insight, so the new S4 system, simplified data model, built for cloud, better user interface, IoT out of the box, analytics out of the box, the boardroom of the future, all the stuff you see on the SAP marketing brochure, where how do we get from where we are today to to um, an environment, and how do we get rid of the risk, and how do we make sure that we do this appropriately? So that's kind of why we work with uh, with Amazon, and what um, we've come up with for today is kind of a, a four-step flow. So we're going to we're going to try and take you through how you could do how, how we step you through this this process. So this isn't some ASAP services methodology, so don't take it for that. It's just the way we're going to step through the the uh, the slides today. So. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to try and show you how you can try, right? So how do you, how do you get your hands on the technology? How do you get your feet wet? What's a, what's a good way of actually trying some of these new innovations? So anyone heard of the SAP Cloud Appliance Library? Let's, let's see if... Um, so that's, a, that's good. So that means I'm not, gonna, I, I'm not beating a dead horse here, which is awesome. So um, the SAP Cloud Appliance Library is a perfect environment for you to try out certain SAP technologies. So what we do is we um, list a range of SAP templates, and I'll show them in a demo to you in a second. Um, and what those templates allow you to do is to take a certain configuration and deploy it into your own uh, AWS account. Right? It's pre-configured, pre-set up. 
It's not really designed for productive workload. There's, there's often test and demo data in the environment, and it allows you to at least get up and running fairly quickly. So let's flip over this thing so I can kind of show you the interface and see what this looks like. That, yeah, that's big enough, right? So, so what you can see here is um, this is the this is cal c a l dot s a p dot com. That's where you can go and you can you you can try and do exactly what I'm doing right now. So I'm going to log in here, um, and the first thing that you'll see would be would probably be a list of uh, of instances that I've already created. If it eventually logs in, always scary to do a live demo. Me too. I don't know why I agreed to do this. <laughs> Before it started, I was thinking that a, a recorded demo would work really well. So what you can see, what I've done is I've just pre-filtered the environment. So what you can see, let, let me get rid of the filter so I can show you a bit more here. So here's a full list of the templates that you can see in the cloud appliance libraries. So there's anything here from NetWeaver-based systems to business object systems to crystal report systems. There's Vora. There's the new HANA Express stuff we talked about earlier. So there's a list of um, of things that you could that you could quickly and easily deploy. And I'll show you how quickly and easy what quickly what quick and easy is here. So I might just add too that we work really closely with the team, the cloud appliance oh, library yeah. team, on proper design as they as they actually build out these solutions on the AWS platform. So as you actually go through the trial, you know that what you're getting and actually experiencing is, is going to be a good experience. Yeah, and I mean, just some, some background information. So the way that we construct these, uh, and we just went through this with the Express product, is once we've delivered and designed and engineered the product, what we do is we take the generally available product, not a beta release or anything like that, we go through an additional process to create this uh, this uh, this template. So we and it's it's not like a, a community AMI that we put in there. Is we put a bunch of SAP people on this. We have a new QA and testing process. So by the time you get it, it's been tested, it's been validated, it's been documented properly. Um, and in some cases, on the SAP.com site, we actually have content and starter tutorials and guidelines for you to use. So the, if you go to the developers.sap.com portal. All of the tutorials that we have there run on this environment as well. So it's quite easy to, to kind of get cracking here. So this, uh, this instance I'm highlighting here is um, a BW4 HANA environment. So I'm going to try and take you through what it takes to create one. Um, so the first thing here it says, well, choose an account. And I'll just kind of talk you through this. So I've got three pre-setup accounts. I've got an AWS Account. I've got uh, some other company that Steve might be aware of in here as well, and um, and then I, I'll use my AWS account. I'll quickly say I, I want a BW4 HANA system. You can see that it um, it defaults to a region here, and I'll 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 give it some pause to it. Let's do BW4 HANA one. And I've uh, well, let's just do this. Okay, typical BW four H A N A one BW four. Gotta love live demos, right? Okay, there we go. So, and when I hit the create button here, um, and the, you can see it's going to deploy an X one instance. Um, it um, and it will give me a, a sort of set of rules. That's an that's an older message that needs to go out here. And I'll just give you a sense here. So it'll generate the private uh, private key here. And what the private key is for would be for you to access the operating system of the environment. So you would download that, and then you can use SSH or some other thing to get directly into this thing. So when you download it, 
Um, it'll start the environment, comes up with the, that it's a trial environment, and then you can see that it's starting to prepare the environment. Here. Now, this typically takes about 45 minutes for the BW system. So as a good demo master, what I've done is I've set one up already, right? So there's one already deployed. So you wait 45 minutes and this thing comes back and it gives you information that kind of looks like this. And this is on a smaller instance size. This is the, an, R4, uh, an R4 as well. So you can see you can employ an X1 or R4 here. Um, and you can see some information you can, on the right-hand side of the slide. Let's just make this slightly larger. I'm not sure if you can see all of that. It kind of does a bit of a cost estimate for you, so it tells you what it's going to take to run. Um, it has um, the IP addresses that you can access the technology on. And you can see that it's deployed in a way now. What I'll do just to kind of give you the other side of the equation, in AWS it will look like this, right? So you can see what we've done. Uh, by that one click, right? So if you think about what I did is I, I, I basically described, I gave it a name, I gave it a password, I picked a region, and it created two EC2 instances in the, in the back, pre-configured with content ready to roll, right? So connecting to it, I can go back to this. These things make it fairly simple to, um, to use as well. So even if you're, not a, if you're not an AWS user or you're not, a, you're not used to BW, what you can do here is typically the, the front end and the environment gives you a quick way to get started as well. So if you hit that connect button over there, what will happen is, um, let me just find that quickly. Here's my BW for HANA. So what we did from a design perspective, we set up a front-end server. Quite often it's a front-end um, ABAP server that connects to the HANA system in, the, in a second thing, so a Windows machine. And on the Windows machine, we've just installed remote desktop so we can do this for demo purposes. And you can see your regular HANA tooling then runs directly in this environment here. So there you can kind of start with your analytics. So there's, there's low effort here. Um, before you leave home, you click it. The next morning, it's ready for you to use, or you go to lunch, right? 45 minutes, and then all the normal stuff works. So you can, you can, t you can connect your SAP GUI to this thing. You can use any of the BW tools, um, and, and that's, kind of the, that's as easy as it is. Um, if you wanted to do something like HANA Express, and I'm not going to do it, it's exactly the same process. Here's a HANA Express environment running. Now, this is interesting. It runs on a much smaller infrastructure. Um, so here we've, took, we've taken an R3, run it on a 30-gig environment. We could drop it down to 16-gig with HANA Express as well. Right? So there the certification issue isn't much of, a, much of a problem. But the same process. You type in a name, you give it a password, and you're off, off to the races with the technology. All right. So, Excellent. so again, so easy to try, right? It's not a productive, it's not to optimize for a productive scenario. There's often test and demo data in these things. So it helps you get up and running with the technology in a short amount of time. Um, normally all the tools are, so if you use ETL tools or any of those kind of things, you can get data into those things pretty easily. Okay. All right, excellent. So I think, I think CloudAppliance Library is a great, a great option for discovery of new SAP solutions. Oftentimes what we hear from, from SAP customers is we want to try it with one of ours, right? Um, but, but oftentimes it's also it's a, it's a, it's a significant investment burden uh, from a hardware perspective, from a people perspective, to actually approach some of these new solutions, right? And there's a lot of questions typically around this. And um, it, it's a process to uh, think through budgeting uh, and then take that to your, your CIO to actually get approval for, for some of these projects, right? When, when you don't know if necessarily if it's the right thing for you. Um, at this particular point in time, right? So 
What we're, what we're seeing, though, is that AWS is actually rapidly increasing uh, or reducing, excuse me, the implementation cycles for these new SAP customers. Um, now, each journey is unique, right? But typically, and I think many of you probably have experience in this, SAP implementations can be lengthy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so what we're, what we're trying and, and helping see customers do is actually reducing, in a lot of different ways, um, this implementation cycle. Um, you know, new implementations can get started quicker and move faster. Um, uh, anecdotally, I had a customer who was telling me about working directly with, with you guys on a new version of S4 that wasn't released quite yet. Uh, they were getting new code drops every week uh, from SAP. That shouldn't happen. Well, I mean, it was, it was, they were jointly <laughs> developing, right? So the idea here was uh, in, in a previous life, uh, they would have had to actually kick their configurators out, their developers out, apply the new code drop, transport those changes in, and they'd lost a couple days, right? On AWS, what they did is they, they just took a, a snapshot or an image of the existing environment. They created a new system while they allowed their configuration developers to continue, continue working, and then they applied the new code drop and then transported those changes after they were ready with the new, the new code drop. So there's definitely different things you can be, you, you can be doing. And then uh, from an executive perspective, you look at that, you take uh, the top model to someone that says, yeah, it's going to take us two years before we have the same functionality, that's not that attractive, right? So uh, accelerating and squashing or compressing that, that time frame is kind of key. Yeah. From a risk perspective too, right? It's the, a lot of things can go wrong in a, in a long time. And the interesting thing is once a customer, we see a customer actually get a copy of a system, an SAP system, into AWS, they're actually able to test multiple different upgrade strategies, whether it's an S4 implementation uh, or an upgrade uh, or uh, to suite on HANA. Right, and since the, the general availability of X1 in June, we now have multiple customers already in production. And we'd like to tell you a little bit about one of those. Yeah, we had, had a discussion about that this morning. So Fairfax Media is an Australian, Australian media organization. They were, uh, they, they were our first BW4 HANA customer, joint BW4 HANA customer. So without taking you through all of the detail here is um, the challenge that, the challenge here was how do we get this done in a reasonable amount of time, right? So w- if you look at the stuff on the right hand side is it took them three months to go from nothing to having a productive system. Um, the development time now is 50% faster than it used to be, and the reports are 10 times faster. They have 10 times, uh, they've had 10x improvement on the execution time on the report side, right? And this is done, this was done efficiently, effectively. The entire team was on board. SAP and AWS worked on this jointly. So it's, uh, this is a reasonable model to go forward with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some extra ones in the pipe that are doing exactly the same thing. So we move into the, the next phase, right? So when you're actually ready to implement, we've done some work uh, around automation and applying some, some DevOps-type concepts to the deployment uh, of, of SAP workloads, right? Um, one of the things that uh, SAP was, was very worried about um, is that uh, a, a lot of cloud customers obviously are, are self-consuming cloud services, right? And um, they, they wanted to make sure that what customers were getting from a um, an infrastructure perspective during the certification process not only met the SAP's KPIs for performance as it related to HANA, but also what SAP customers in the end would be provisioning would actually be what we we actually tested, right? So there had to be some assurance that, uh, again, all the work that we put into, uh, customers actually get to see in the end, right? Because if you think about a traditional model, when you buy uh, a, hard, a hardware HANA appliance, somebody typically comes in, 
rolls it into your data center, plugs it in, does the configuration for you, right? You're not going to, you're not necessarily going to get that, uh, somebody doing that uh, on the ADFS platform. So what we did is we built uh, a quick start. Um, we have a, quite a number of these. I'll show you, show you this in a moment. The, the idea here is to take a, a complex software product uh, or workload and automate it uh, such that it's, it's pretty much single, single button provisioning. And the idea is to take the best practices and in installation designs, both from SAP and AWS, and make sure, again, all of the, the things that we figured out during the certification work. Um, how many of you actually have gone through an, an SAP installation guide? And you remember back in the day, those were, those were pretty lengthy, right? So there's a lot of heavy lifting, right? So we've done this, um, and we've, we've packaged it up in a, a virtual appliance delivery model. And this is, this is free for customers. So the idea here is, again, we can stitch together uh, all of the, the components from an AWS perspective, uh, whether that's creating a new VPC, uh, designing the subnets, um, and then actually the deployment of HANA, uh, the attachment of the storage volumes, the layout of the file systems. If you want to install HANA, we can install HANA. Um, and again, apply things, low-level things like kernel parameters, boot flags, those types of things. So I want to show you really quickly what that looks like. We'll switch over here. I wasn't as brave as Rudy. I actually recorded my demo. Because <laughs> uh, you never know how, how these things will go. Well, so, it, was, it was difficult to type in that parser, man. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was the most difficult thing in the demo. So here we go. We're at the aws.amazon.com slash quickstarts page. You can see we've got a number of quickstarts across a, a bunch of different domains. I don't think we switched. Let's try this again. There we go. So here you can see that, uh, you can see that now? All right, excellent. Um, we go into the SAP HANA quick start here. We, uh, we give a couple options, right? So if you have an existing VPC that you want to deploy this into, we don't necessarily need to recreate that. And that, that is helpful for if you already have, as many customers do, uh, uh, connectivity back to your on-premise data center. You don't necessarily need us to create a new VPC for you. Right? So at the basic level, this thing is a, is a, is a JSON template that defines and orchestrates the, the artifacts on the AWS perspective and how we stitch those together here. So I'm just gonna run through what this deployment looks like. Here we're gonna name, uh, we're gonna name the stack. And the stack is just, again, a collection of AWS artifacts that, again, are part of this deployment. Here I'm actually able to define the CIDR range of the, the VPC, the virtual private cloud that we're creating, and the, the public and the private subnets. Now, in the public subnet, we're gonna create an RDP instance, again, for the, the HANA Studio in the private subnet, where it doesn't have access to the internet, we're actually going to deploy HANA securely. Here, you're actually able to choose which uh, operating system choice uh, you want, whether it's uh, SUSE or Red Hat. We support both. And then you see here the instance types. So here, we're going to choose the two terabyte instance. And at this point, you can say, do I want this to be a, a multi-node cluster or a single node? Here, I'm going to choose, let's, let's install a five node or 10 terabyte cluster and see what that looks like. I've already created a, a, a demo key pair. Here you can actually change uh, the storage type. How many of you are familiar with EBS storage types, volumes? All right, so I won't go into that, but you can choose whether to have provisioned IOPS or general purpose SSD storage, and both are certified for the solution. Do I want to turn on EBS volume encryption? Um, and then we get into some customization around the actual deployment of the HANA nodes themselves. So things like host name, uh, in the case where you're actually provisioning a cluster. We'll, uh, we'll take the, the host name you enter here and append a 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, and so on uh, for as many nodes as you select here. We'll enter a HANA system SID here, an instance number, 
and then a, a HANA password. And this password gets passed down into uh, the, the HANA um, uh, installation at, at the time of installation. So the, the HANA system password uh, becomes the password that you enter here. You need to enter a S3 URL for the HANA software. So you need to download the software from the, the, the SAP Service Marketplace and place it in an S3 bucket. And if you choose yes to install the HANA software here, we'll actually download that. Those zip files basically extract them and do the installation for you. Here I'm going to say, yes, please install a HANA inst or an RDP instance for me. This is the instance type, and I'm going to say next. One thing I always encourage customers to do is tag everything. Because with tag tagging, you can actually uh, go and search within the console or within CloudTrail, right? So there's an audit trail based on tags as well. Uh, you, you can get um, good visibility into everything that was created as part of this, this CloudFormation template. So we're going to go ahead and say create. And then literally at this point, you can go get a cup, a cup of coffee. Now, uh, it takes about 40 minutes or so uh, at this point. Um, I decided not to make you wait 40 minutes, so I decided to cut cut some time out of the out of the demo here. But let me show you a few things. If you go to the Events tab, this is the, the CloudFormation console. You can see again all of those artifacts that are being created for you. In essence, on the back end, we're just we're just calling the APIs like you would if you were normally just stitching this together manually. So let's take a look at this. Um, this CloudFormation template it was a single template that had some nested CloudFormation templates in it. And if we look at the bottom, we see we started the installation at about 11.24, and it finished at about 12.14. So about 40 minutes later, we have ourselves a, a 10 terabyte HANA cluster. Here I'm going to actually uh, SSH into the instance, so you can actually see what it looks like. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can see if I'm telling the truth or not. <laughs> Here in the, in, the, in the console, you can see, again, all of the instance types that we created. You've got your master node. You've got your four worker nodes. The RDP instance, and we, we call it a bastion. It's an SSH host. Because, again, we don't necessarily want to install HANA on a, a directly accessible uh, subnet that's, uh, that's, that's, again, routable from the Internet. So here we're actually uh, on the bastion host. We're going to take that IP address, which I just showed you. We're going to SSH into the instance. Uh, we're going to sue to uh, the HDB or the, the, the HANA system user here for just a moment. And we're going to take a quick look and see, is HANA up and running? So a quick HDB info, and you can see those of you, of you that know HANA will recognize the, the processes that, that, that go with uh, an operating HANA system. Uh, you can see this instance here has just about two terabytes of RAM. We uh, have laid out uh, the file systems. And every node on AWS, from a HANA perspective, gets its own storage solution. We'll talk about why that's important. So again, a lot of heavy lifting done there that you don't necessarily have to repeat here. Uh, if we take a quick look here, uh, we're just going to enter the instance number that we entered in the CloudFormation template earlier. Uh, quick description here. I'll click Next. We need to type in the system user and the HANA password that we put into the CloudFormation template just a moment ago. I know you've seen this just previously. And then we click Finish. And you'll see yourself uh, a 10, 10 terabyte cluster here. So again, it's literally uh, as simple as, uh, or as little as 40 minutes, you've got yourself a, a fairly large cluster. Now we've tested in the lab, again, with the same process, up to 50 terabyte clusters. And uh, we're pretty excited uh, about, about kind of what this, what this does, right? And we're actually working on additional CloudFormation templates. Who would be interested in CloudFormation templates would orchestrate maybe higher up the stack? I want to install an SAP system. Those type of things? Awesome.
All right, I think uh, we've probably shown enough here. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the migration process. Mm -hmm. Again, migrating either systems that are on the AWS platform already to HANA uh, or systems that are on-premises to, to, to HANA and what, what tools uh, that uh, customers might have available to them. Yeah, I think the so for SAP customers, this would be kind of standard stuff, right? So they, we use our existing, leverage our existing migration processes. Um, as you can see there, you can migrate from existing EC2 instances, and when you go down all the way to the bottom, simple backup restore is an option, the classical migration, or any of the sort of DMO tools that we have available. So um, nothing new here, nothing earth-shattering, right, is the, the, the ability to, to go from uh, a system to a system, whether it's on-prem to on-prem to cloud, is kind of a, a very similar thing with the added advantages that you see on the EC2 side. What we do see is uh, some customers leveraging, uh, we have some great partners, and I'll show you some of those in a moment, that have some tooling that are based on some of the SAP uh, uh, yeah. tools like DMO. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and whether uh, you need um, some intermediate storage solution, right? So if you're talking about a 10 terabyte system or a 20 terabyte system, you might need something like Snowball. Probably not Snowmobile quite yet, <laughs> but probably something like a Snowball, right? <laughs> so we see, we see uh, Ingenuity customers actually making use of that. So these are some of our partners. Um, we, we've actually invested in training uh, quite a number of partners. Uh, we're working with a lot, a lot more than you see listed here, but these are partners that have actually passed our, what we call our SAP competency. And we, we're pretty stringent with, uh, uh, we, we know that it, 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 you know, these systems are, are kind of crown jewels, if you will, <laughs> from a customer perspective, and we want to make sure that our customers are having the right experience when it comes to working with partners, especially around SAP. And moving to AWS, really, if you do it right, is, is more than just a lift and shift, right? And uh, we hear this consistently from customers that um, they're, they're expecting to be able to do things differently as it relates to uh, operating systems on the AWS platform, right? So there are a, a lot of ways to actually optimize. And uh, so we talked a little bit about sizing, mm -hmm. right? So absolutely use the quick sizer. Uh, I mentioned earlier it's, it's not necessarily um, disastrous if you get it wrong, right? So if you don't necessarily have all your business processes mapped out, um, you don't quite know how much capacity you need, it's okay. In fact, Fairfax, Fairfax actually started with, uh, with a smaller instance type, R3, and uh, when they actually needed to go uh, to the X1 platform, they needed more memory. Now, we didn't quite have the one terabyte instance available quite yet, uh, so they actually meant, went from R3 with 244 gig of RAM to the two terabyte instance in less than an hour, right? So it's a simple, seriously, it's a simple stop, start exercise. Obviously, you need to, to plan your maintenance window, but you don't have to worry about migrating data uh, yeah. from one system to another. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, from a platform perspective, it's a single platform uh, that when you think about a holistic cloud strategy, uh, you can actually start combining some really interesting SAP use cases with some other use cases like machine learning, big data, those types of things. There's a lot of options when it comes to high availability in DR, and we'll talk a little bit about some of those in specific, but in a, specifically in a moment. Um, but the, and maybe there's too many options, right? Uh, <laughs> but the, the idea is that um, you could think about high availability just a, just a bit differently uh, on the AWS platform. Um, we're going to talk about uh, auto recovery here in just a moment. Some specific things that you can do, uh, again, in multi-data center, multi-availability zone uh, designs. 
Um, and specifically, one that customers, we find customers actually finding uh, quite interesting. And then lastly, uh, I indicated earlier that we, uh, we've done some development work around, how many of you are basis consultants or basis folks? All right, so your basis folks, um, you may or may not want to give them access to uh, the AWS console, right? So there's a lot of power in the AWS console. Even though you're using IAM roles, you can restrict it pretty, pretty, pretty well. But these guys know and love their SAP transactions, and they know what a dialogue transaction is, and then they break down the response time. They know exactly where, where they should be looking, right? So we built a, a, a monitoring agent called the AWS Data Provider for SAP that pulls information from CloudWatch. It pulls information from what we call a metadata service, which from within a virtual machine, you can actually get key information about instance, uh, instance um, information. And then combining some of this, this information, we actually expose this to the SAP application layer through today it's SAPOS call, tomorrow it'll be changing. Mm-hmm. But this, is, this can be just as readily available to then your, your basis guys who are troubleshooting performance uh, from, within, uh, from within an SAP application, right? So, um, and we have integrated support, right? So you don't have to worry about is it an AWS problem, is it an SAP problem? Like you can actually just use the standard support processes that you know and enter tickets in the, in the OSS system because we have uh, our own queues there. So let's see here. We're actually coming to the end, and I'd like to give you a, a chance to ask some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we'll just skip forward here. Um, what do you think, Rudy? Yeah, I think so. I, I think there's, we can, like you said, I think you're probably dead right. There are too many HA options, which is good, right? Is um, We were... SAP were often criticized, especially with HANA, for not having a robust enough HA offering. And I think within AWS, we've certainly managed to, to solve for most of those issues. So if there are any questions around HA, how you could potentially leverage order recovery. I think order recovery was interesting when we talked about it. We, we thought the notion, if you do an, an SAP HA environment on-premise, that typically means you have another piece of infrastructure running. In this scenario, you don't, right, which has a significant cost benefit to an organization as well. So maybe that's the thing we can, we, where we can leave this. And if you have any questions, please meet us, meet us here or hit the booth, right? So yeah, absolutely. So there's a few things, right? If I, so I'm going to try and summarize. From an SAP perspective, we work with AWS because um, customers that I speak to want to get out of their, their data center businesses, right? So fundamentally, I, I don't meet many customers that say, I want to run my own data center, and I want to continue doing that forever. I want to be agile. Um, and, and where we are with SAP solutions now, especially after introducing HANA and now with S4 gaining some traction and adoption in the market, there's, there's a need to modernize, right? And what we're seeing is that those customers are typically heading to cloud solutions first, right? So um, we need a good partner. Um, we need someone that we can work with um, and that could help us, could help them and comply to some of the often rigid processes we have at SAP on certification and those kind of things. And it's important. Those processes are rigid because when I look at SAP customers, there's a high expectation and a high standard that we need to meet there, right? So it's um, important that we can work together on those. So, you know, customers want to do the things you can see on the slide, increase their speed, innovate a lot faster, and at the same time, they want to pay less for what they, what they use, right? So those challenges are, um, will not go away, um, and uh, we want to embrace them and make sure that we work with the right people to, to help us do that. So we, we've actually put together quite a bit of information uh, to, to talk through kind of the subtle nuances of operating SAP systems on our platform. Uh, it's available on our microsite, the AWS microsite, 
And as well, you can always contact uh, either your SAP SA um, or your, your, your sales associate, either on the SAP side or our side, or come talk to us at the booth. And uh, I think we have a few moments. Can we just make a, take a couple questions if you're if you're interested?